Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear, and then we talk about it. You must be getting real tired of hearing that. This is page 360. Man, you're going to hear it a lot more. (laughs) (laughs) I'll admit to being curious, I said, but I should tend to business instead. Very well, she said. Are you really going to pay me off entire? Have you finally found yourself a patron? I shook my head. However, I have had a remarkable opportunity arise, the chance to get a fine patron indeed. I paused. Inventus. She raised an eyebrow. That's a long ways off, she said pointedly. I'm glad you stopped to settle your debt before jaunting off to the other side of the world. Who knows when you'll be back? Indeed, I said. However, I find myself in a bit of an odd place, financially speaking. Debbie was already shaking her head before I finished speaking. Absolutely not. You're already into me for nine talents. I am not loaning you more money the day you leave town. I held my hands up defensively. You misunderstand, I said. I opened my purse and spilled talents and jots onto the table. Denna's ring tumbled out too, and I stopped it before it could roll off the edge of the table. I gestured to the pile of coins in front of me, slightly more than 13 talents. This is all the money I have in the world, I said. With it, I need to get myself to Severin with fair speed, a thousand miles with some to spare. That means passage on at least one ship, food, lodging, money for coaches, or the use of a post note. As I listed each of these things, I slid an appropriate amount of money from one side of the desk to the other. When I finally arrive in Severin, I will need to buy myself clothes that will allow me to move among the court without looking like the ragged musician I am. I slid more coins. I pointed at the few straggling coins remaining. This does not leave me enough to settle my debt with you. Debbie watched me over her steepled fingers. I see, she said seriously. We must discover some alternate method for you to square your debt. My thought is this, I said. I can leave you with collateral against my eventual return. Her eyes flickered down to the slender, dark shape of my loot case. Not my loot, I said quickly. I need that. What then, she asked. You've always said you have no collateral. I have a few things, I said, rummaging around in my travel sack, and brought up a book. Debbie's eyes lit up. Then she read the spine. Rhetoric and logic, she made a face. I feel the same way, I said, but it's worth something, especially to me. Also, I reached into the pocket of my cloak and brought out my hand. End of the page. My name is Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Also, hands. End of the page. Thank you, Totally on purpose. Definitely a thing. Definitely. And at the beginning, he holds up his hands, too. Oh, and she, they shake hands. Oh, and Debbie shakes her. Oh, no, that's her head. Oh. <laughs> wow. Almost like hands are a really useful thing to show body language, which reveals character and also no. gives people business and also no. is important for people doing actions. No, disagree. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few odd tenses on this page i stumbled a couple times because i feel like this the tenses change like rummaging around in my travel sack and brought up a book is the line here i said rummaging around in my travel sack and brought up a book that feels like the tense yeah, change should be and bringing up a book right and there's another one let me see if i can find that again that i stumbled up or across because it felt like it it changed of the table the table ends two sentences in a row I opened my purse and spilled talents and jots onto the table. Denna's ring tumbled out too, and I stopped it before it could roll off the edge of the table. I I feel like that's a bit of a repetition. I know it's like nothing major. If I was writing it, I might rewrite the sentence because I wouldn't want to end the sen- the sentence. I wouldn't want to end two sentences with the same set of words. But 
It's yeah, not and it could easily just have ended with the word edge. There's no reason to say of the table. Yeah, we know or, it's or on the table. of it. Exactly, off the edge. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just, it's a little awkward, but whatever. It's not like we're going through page by page to nitpick things. For the other example you gave, that would be solved for me by adding a comma after travel sack, because then travel sack is like its own clause. Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying really hard to work in a sanity clause joke, but uh, I think well, we'll have to get around to it. I think the issue is that there ain't no sanity clause. <laughs> but I'm... All right, back to the page. Do you think there's a reason that we're our attention is brought to Denna's ring? Her ring didn't have yeah, to fall yes. out of the purse, but it did. Well, it's because it's the only thing he actually has on him that is good collateral. It's the only thing that Devi actually ends up wanting to take from him. She takes the other things from him because, well, he's giving them to her, so why not? And this also lets us, the reader, know that they'll be safe. But they're they're all basically junk. They're only really valuable to Clove. I also feel like the book has, like, rhetoric and logic is more like a value token than than it is anything else in the book. Yeah, well, the things that he gives to Devi are safe from the shipwreck. So obviously he doesn't know this, but this is a way of narratively stowing these things so that they're not in danger while he's on his trip. Mm. It's also so there's a bit of drama to be wrought when he does run into Denna and he doesn't have her ring. But I think all of the things he does give her here, while it is a moment of wrenching pathos, he has to part with these things that he loves and that mean a lot to him. It also means they're safe when he is shipwrecked and otherwise thrashed on his many travels. Okay, I have a question. It's only vaguely book-related, so get out any good notes That's now. never stopped us before. That's a good point. All right. If you were in Quoth's shoes, except that you, instead of being Quoth, you had all the things you have now, what would you leave with Devi for collateral? If you had to leave, like, at, like your most important things with Devi because you, you knew that the shipwreck was going to happen. What would you leave with Devi as collateral? I don't think I have. I mean, like, I I have, you know, people that I that I care about, but I'm not so attached to objects. Like, maybe because I have more things than Quoth, and I am in, because we live in a world where, like, we can stay in touch with people when we're apart in a more easy way, and we can maintain those relationships. I mean, I have things that have monetary value, but I think... What you're asking is like, what do you have that is emotionally as precious to you as these things, right? Yeah. Or like, I don't know, anything that you wouldn't want to lose in a shipwreck that would be a big deal to you. I mean, like my PS4, but like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I wouldn't be thrilled if my phone and my PS4 got swallowed by a shipwreck, but... You know, PS5 will be available soon, so, like, whatever. <laughs> I posit to you this, because I think there is something that would be more important to you that you might lose, and that is, I think, something that, like, is a very modern thing that probably a lot of people have in common, and it's a hard drive. Like, think about if you lost the hard drive on your computer, wouldn't you lose all of that cool VR stuff you'd made? Well, I have a backup. I have a backup hard drive, and a lot of the stuff is, is also backed up in the cloud. Oh, well, I guess if you have the cloud, then that's fine. I, I was going to say you might leave a hard drive with, with Debbie because we keep everything. I, I, I get that. I think that, like, you raise an interesting point that a lot of contemporary media has to invent a lot of reasons for objects to become precious or, like, to avoid 
the affordances of contemporary technology. Like nowadays, it's pretty much standard to have an excuse for for cell phones not to work in a horror movie. I think the hard drive is a good example because nowadays everything, you know, you can practically store everything on the cloud. So you have to invent a reason for a hard disk drive or something to have the data on it, you know, or you just go triple X, uh, Return of Xander Cage and just throw logic out of the window and say, ah, oh, the the suitcase controls the satellites, whatever. But there's also <laughs> okay. more suitcases. Who cares? Jeremy, do you have anything you'd leave with Debbie? Again, I think I have the same problem that Nick has, that I don't have very many items that are not replaceable to me that like that have like sentimental value. Like again, like my, my book is stored up on a backup hard drive, although that reminds me I should back it up again soon. You know, my other like various personal sundries are like expensive, so they'd make good collateral, but they're like not irreplaceable. When I was a baby, um, one of my mom's friends gave me like a medicine pouch that has like sacred objects in it. So I would hate to lose that on a shipwreck. But also that's like at my parents' house and has been my entire life. Uh, so, you know, I'm not really in danger of losing it. So I think... Nick raised a, a good point that we live in a culture that is abundant with material goods that are like cheap and easy to produce and, and reproduce. And so we probably don't value material goods in the same way, A, because we live in a different kind of consumer culture and B, because none of us are as broke and desperate as Quoth is. So he doesn't even have that much to his name at all. And, he ha- and it's like much harder for him to like replace a shirt than it is for me. You know, I could afford to lose 25 shirts and still have enough clothes to get me through the week. Damn. it's a lot of shirts. I think you have more shirts than I do. I have a lot of shirts. All right. I actually have something that I would give to Debbie. I sort of expected one of you to have something like it, but apparently not. Well, don't leave me hanging. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, It's a handmade snow globe music box. So the top of it is a snow globe and there's a little cow and the cow tick-tocks over the moon inside the snow globe. And then the bottom of it is actually, it's shaped like a giant udder because <laughs> it's the cow jumped over the moon. The <laughs> well, so the, the idea is the cow jumped over the moon. So the bottom of it is an udder and the little feet of it are the, are the teats of the udder. And the song it plays is Fly Me to the Moon by Frank Sinatra. And the reason I would give it to Devi is because it was the first gift that my dad gave me after my parents got divorced. And it was the first time my dad let me open Christmas gifts in the truck. And like... I had asked for a music box and I had asked for a snow globe, but I did not expect to get like a handmade one of a kind snow globe music box that played a song that like was a song that my dad and I both liked. So like, it was a pretty intense gift. (laughs) That's like irreplaceable and full of, of meaning. So I understand. uh, Yeah. That is my, that is my rhetoric and logic. You also raise a good point that Quoth, has so little, so the things that he does accumulate are things that do have meaning to him. Such as rhetoric and logic, which is perhaps the only thing he has from his life before. Yeah. And this, you know, his loot, which is his livelihood, and the ring that he plans to give back to the seldom seen but often thought of woman of his dreams. It is exciting to see what is going to happen next. I got so engrossed in this conversation that I forgot that we occasionally read listener mail and I forgot to open the uh, the mailbag. Do we have time for mail? Uh, I mean, we technically, because we are the bosses, we can do whatever we want. But this was a really nice episode where we had a lot of really interesting conversation. Uh, so I'd be happy to 
uh, tie it with a bow and read an episode tomorrow. You heard it here Lovely. first, listeners. We have tied up Mr. Mailbag's gullet with the strings that, that bind him. Uh, and we won't open them so we can hear his terrible wisdom until tomorrow's page. Um. The Wind! wind.